This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 688. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 688. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Hello, shameless moms. Happy Monday. I'm delighted to be here. I'm looking out my window and it's still sunny at the end of September, which feels like such a win. We're getting ready to celebrate Vinny's 10th birthday in a couple days. Holy cow. Uh, So it just feels like kind of this special time for reflection. I'm also coming out of this season where there, holy cow, has just been like every week for the last month has had some major event, like major. (laughs) And so it was the first one was my triathlon. And then the week after that was helping co host a bar back to school barbecue for a 1000 people at Vinny's school. And then the next week, we opened enrollment for the academy and ran a couple workshops aligned with that project. And we also rebranded the membership and like launched it in a new way with new perks and upgrades. And then this week I had a keynote, which I haven't had in person in quite a while. And it, oh my goodness, it's just like every week has been this massive hustle and all really cool, fun, exciting and awesome things. But I feel like there was a part of me that was like, I just need to get through October or through September 20th. And then I can like exhale a bit. 
And I did it. <laughs> I got through September 20th. So I'm feeling a little light as I sit here like, oh, I did so many hard things and so much heavy lifting. And it feels really good to be on the other side of that, even though all of the things were really fun and awesome while being in the middle of them. It was a lot to show up for where each week was like a whole new skill set. Like each week was be your best in a whole new way. And this is funny because what we're talking about today is how to get great at doing things you're not great at. And I just felt like I had to show up as, as my best in all these different capacities. But the reality is, I was only able to show up as my best in each of these capacities over the last four weeks as a triathlete, as a host of a large event, as a online coach and business owner and founder CEO, and then as a keynote speaker, because I've gotten pretty great at doing things I'm not great at. So what I mean by getting great at doing things you're not great at is letting yourself try new things without an expectation that you need to be good at them before trying. So when I was growing up, I would not try anything unless I was certain I would be really good at it, which means there's a whole lot of things I never, ever did. So I was really good at school. So like, give me some extra credit math. I'm your girl. Like I would do my extra credit math all day long because I knew I could get like an A++ on it. But things like sports or art or dance. Oh my, like never, never, never. I was so scared of trying something new and being bad at it and having other people see me be bad at it and feeling bad at it that I just wouldn't try things at all. And it really took getting into adulthood and trying some new things that were pretty terrifying to realize like, oh, it's okay to not be good at something. It's okay to be in the early phases of learning something, or maybe even like a later phase of learning something and still not be that great at it. All of that is okay. And when you can get comfortable in that space of like, yeah, I do this thing and I'm not that good at it. Holy cow, like it brings so much light and levity to your life in so many different ways. And it also gives you permission to try all sorts of new things. So when I was able to let myself try things without this attachment to having to do them with a high level of perfectionism every single time, I was able to really expand what I was open to trying. That's why I was able to say yes to stepping into the role of co-chair of the Parent Association at Vinnie School. It's why I've been able to say yes to speaking in different capacities and leading in different ways. It's why I've been able to say yes to things like taking a writing class, uh, like learning to ski, like so many different things where I'm like, okay, I don't know how this is going to go, but I'm going to give it a shot and just see. And what's happened over the course of trying a lot of new things in adulthood is I'm like, first of all, holy cow, I missed out on so much in my first 20 years of life, and I want to make up for lost time. And also, it's really cool to learn about the things that I'm like to learn about new things, first of all, and also to learn about things I'm not that great at, but I still enjoy doing. And that's, I think, a huge lesson to me. And like skiing would be one of those things. Like I'm not a super great skier, but I really, really enjoy it. And how great to give myself permission to like just do something for joy and not be that great at it. Like that's a really big gift for someone that comes from a place of only wanting to do things you're really good at. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, 
is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model. So that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. So like I said, growing up, I didn't try a lot of new things. And I had so much stress and anxiety when I did have to try something new, especially if it was in front of other people, because I thought that, first of all, like my worth and value was connected to my performance. And it showed up in the most ridiculous ways. And I'm going to give you some examples in a minute because I think this will be relatable. But as I was making notes for this episode and and like thinking this through, I was like, this is rather embarrassing. (laughs) But I also think it's going to be really relatable because it speaks to this really high level of perfectionism that I carried with me growing up and in my young adulthood that just like held me back in so many ways. So in my like high school through college years, I didn't ever want to look foolish physically in front of other people. So like PE was just like the most horrifying experience of my life. Like every single day of PE, I was just, I hated it so much. And I've said before on the show, like one of the best days of my life in high school was the day that this kid in our class, Mark, threw, I don't even remember what kind of ball it was, threw a ball and it hit my thumb and it broke my thumb. And I got to sit out of PE for like a month or something. And I was like, thank you, Mark. I love you forever for breaking my thumb. And next time, could you like break my leg? Because <laughs> I didn't have to do PE for a while. So I never wanted to look foolish in front of other people or look like I didn't know what I was doing. And that held me back and a lot of different ways because I just didn't try things. I didn't learn that I was like actually a reasonably good athlete until I was in my mid-20s because I wouldn't try anything. But even more than that, in social settings, there was all sorts of things I wouldn't do because I didn't want to look silly or like I didn't know what I was doing. And so I remember being in college and people playing pool at the bar like once I turned 21. And I would not play pool because I was like, oh, I don't want to look like I'm not good at it. Now, I don't know that like that many 
people playing pool in college are really that good at it. But I like would not try. I was so embarrassed that like, oh my gosh, what if I don't get the ball in the pocket thing, whatever it's called. Like, I was just so uncomfortable with that. And in my mind, I like equated it to athleticism where I was like, oh, like I'm not athletic. I can't play pool. And I think (laughs) for those of you who do play pool, you probably recognize that there's not like a ton of athleticism involved. But for me, that was like, oh my gosh, that I don't want people to just see me being like foolish with what I'm doing with my body in public and like trying something and not working out. When I started dating my husband, he was all about bowling. And I was like, oh boy, I'm like, this is going to be so awful. And he was pretty good. And I remember we, the first few times we went bowling, I was just like, oh my God, he's going to like realize that he definitely does not want to date me. And it's so ridiculous to say this out loud because can you imagine being like dating someone who you're really interested in and then like they're a bad bowler and you're like, well, that's it. (laughs) I guess this relationship is over. (laughs) Like who cares if you're good at bowling? But I remember going bowling and being like, oh my God, he's going to be like so embarrassed by me and he's going to realize that like I'm not good at everything and he's going to dump me and like so, so silly. But what ended up happening is we went a few times and you know what happened? I got better at bowling. And then there were times when I actually scored similarly to him. And I think I even beat him a few times. And I was like, oh, as it turns out, when you're not great at something, you just do it a few more times and then you get better. And maybe you never are like amazing, but who cares? (laughs) It's bowling. So these kinds of things for me were just like so fraught with like stress and my sense of self and all sorts of weird things tied up in it. And I really, really think it was about my perfectionism, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. Once I started getting over that, and it really, really had to do with some of the things I did athletically, which I'll dig into in a minute. But once I started getting over that and letting myself try new things, I learned that oh, it can be fun to try new things. And when you try new things and do them a couple times, you will naturally get better at them, which was like very shocking to me. I was like, oh, if I play pool once and I'm horrible at it, I'll just be horrible at pool forever, which first of all, who cares? And second of all, it's not true. <laughs> so what I started doing in early adulthood, as many of you know, I I was started running in secret when I was like 18 in my neighborhood at night, I would go running. And that turned into when I got and I did that through college, like I ran through college, but like early, like 5am in the morning, like not where anyone would ever actually see me running. I was like the thing you would never do now. I would like run on dark trails with headphones at 5am by myself along the river. Don't recommend it, but I'm, I live to tell the tale. And what that evolved into after college was getting in touch with some of my coworkers did 5Ks and I eventually said yes to doing a 5K and then we did triathlon or then we did half marathons together and then that evolved into me doing triathlons. And then when I did triathlons, I actually did pretty well and ended up at a number of races like placing in my age group, getting second place in my age group, like really doing better athletically than I ever, ever, ever thought I could do growing up as someone who never did a single athletic thing a single day in my life. And that really shifted my ability to see that you can try new things and work at them a little bit over time and you can actually build a massive amount of competency if you if you stick with it and then sometimes if you just like innately are reasonably good so what i learned is like i can run for a really long time but i'm never going to place in like a half marathon i'm always going to be very middle of the pack but 
with triathlons, I learned that like, oh, I'm a pretty strong cyclist, which I had no idea until I started doing triathlons, that I'm a pretty strong contender in cycling, which allowed me to perform really well in triathlons because that's the piece of triathlons that takes the longest. It's like the longest distance in a triathlon is biking. So the people who excel in cycling are typically the ones who do really well in triathlons. And so I was able to learn like, oh, sometimes you get you have things that you're just innately good at, which for me would be cycling, even though it's not like my favorite athletic thing to do. I'm pretty good at it just innately. And then there's other things that you can get better at over time. So one of those things for me was swimming, like I'm not innately great at swimming. But I got better over time. And I did a lot of swim training to develop that and same thing with running, although I'm still pretty middle of the pack. I always have been a very middle of the packed runner. Like I was never able to get very much speed. I could get faster, yes, but it was like never fast enough to really make a mark in running. But to learn that you can, that there's things you're innately good at that you don't know about yet is pretty awesome. That like there's this kind of curiosity around self-discovery when you know that and recognize like, oh, there's things I'm good at that I don't even know about yet. Like what are those things I want to know? And then also knowing that I can get better at things with a little patience over time is also like very hopeful and optimistic and cool and exciting. And then also third, that you can just do things and not be good at them and still find joy in them. And that is like the biggest eye opener or has been the biggest eye opener for me over the years. So when I started trying new things in young adulthood, running races, doing triathlons, it really opened the door for me to get comfortable not being so great at other things. So like with bowling, for example, or the other thing my husband loved was playing darts, which again, I was like, oh my God, he's going to dump me. Like I'm really bad at throwing. I literally had no idea how to throw a dart and I'm still not great at it, but I'm not like the worst at it in the world. (laughs) And so I learned to get, I learned to try new things and enjoy the process of trying and learning. I started doing paint and sip nights. Do you remember paint and sip nights? And And they're still around, but going to paint and sip nights and when I'm sitting in a room with like 20 to 30 people painting and sipping wine, like I am so not excelling. Like nobody is like, wow, her painting is the most amazing one in the room. But the joy in sitting and creating and just letting myself be in a creative space without it having to be excellent is so freeing. And I think I didn't do art growing up because I was like, oh my God, it has to be really good and I'm not really good at it. And I see this in my child. I see this in Vinny where he was really resistant to art in like the younger grades, like kindergarten first and starting into second grade even. And and then in third grade, I got him to sign up for art club at school because some of his friends were doing it. And oh my gosh, it like exploded his competency in art and allowed him to see that there's so much freedom in art. And when you're a perfectionist as he is and as I am, we like a lot of boundaries, but then we only want to do the things with boundaries if we feel like we can like really meet, like be perfect within those boundaries. And I think that he's found what I found with paint and sip nights, but he's found in art club is that the lack of boundaries in art is what makes it really cool and really fun and really freeing. And he's really enjoyed that. I also started doing giving myself permission to write and write in a way that was really experimental. And so I did this taking a memoir writing class and I did this during the pandemic and I really want to get back to it. I loved this experience so much. And I took this class. It's a six week class that I took, my gosh, like multiple times over the course of a year during the 
kind of main chunk of the pandemic in 2021, I guess, 2020-2021. And prior to that, I've done a decent amount of writing. I had a blog before I had Vinny. I obviously do a decent amount of writing now for the podcast and for online content and for speaking and for social media. But I wanted to practice memoir writing where I just, instead of writing things that are for clients, like I do in my work with all of you, I wanted to just write stories from my own life and play with them a little bit. And what was so fascinating about that process and that memoir writing class was how I went in like really nervous and uncomfortable. And it was a lot like art where like there's not a lot of boundaries and you can do so much and you can take a story. And this part was like so exciting to me that I could take a story. So for example, I could take a story about Vinny's home birth. And that story could be written through this like really poignant lens or a really hilarious lens or a combination of both. Or it could have been written through the lens of like a health scare, even though I had like a very safe home birth and it was a really great experience. There's certainly things that I could have talked about that, you know, like it's just a very scary medical thing happening when you're having a kid at home. I could have approached that from so many different angles. And when I decided to write about that experience for the purpose of that class, I believe when I talked about it on the podcast years ago, I it was more through this poignant lens and definitely some humor in there. But when I wrote it for this class, it was really like through the lens of humor. And I had so much fun just practicing writing about this moment in my life that's like this big, heavy moment. And not heavy isn't the right word, but this big life-altering moment and writing about it in a light way was so fun and enjoyable. And it just like allowed my creativity to run wild. And I don't get to do that very often. And I learned that I love that process. I love the process of taking like one little thing and wrapping a whole funny story around it. I really, really enjoyed that. I also enjoy taking one little thing and wrapping a really like heart-wrenching story around it. So practicing writing in adulthood in a class where you had to read your writing out loud was definitely a little daunting, but also like a major growth experience and a major creative growth experience, which was really awesome. Learning and trying podcasting was has been a, obviously a huge deal to me and giving myself permission to just start out and be like, I'm going to try this. I'm going to record 12 episodes. I'm going to see what happens. And I'm going to give myself permission to learn about this. And when I started the show, it was very much like no connection to any outcomes. I'm just going to try this and see what happens. And I learned that I really loved it. So what's happened over time is giving myself permission to try things and enjoy the process of learning and just kind of noting from an objective standpoint, and I call it data collection, just doing like data collection to be like, huh, how did that feel? What did you learn? Do you enjoy it? Do you want to do it more? And not being attached to, were you the best at that? Did you like get an A plus on it? Were you, could you do it perfectly? And oh my goodness, like that has shifted everything for me to be able to do things and try things without doing them perfectly. So there's so many things that I want to learn now that I will give myself permission to learn because I've seen the benefit and the value of just like kind of getting into something, digging into it, trying and letting myself play with it a bit. I remember the first day on skis. Oh my goodness, my first day on skis. So I had snowboarded off and on throughout adulthood. I was always kind of a disaster on a snowboard, but like I could make my way around the mountain-ish as long as I was on green or blue runs. When I, the first day I got on skis, I don't think I went up on the chairlift that day. And But I do remember 
standing one foot in a ski and one foot on the ground and just the teacher being like, just like let your ski move back and forth just with your foot that has the ski in it, just move it back and forth and feel the snow under you. And I remember thinking, oh, holy hell, there is no way I'm going to be able to stand on these skis. And then putting on the second ski and being like, yeah, like I feel like they are going to slide right out from under me. Like it was this really, really daunting feeling. And I remember going from that to getting down the bunny hill the first day And having this overwhelming feeling of excitement around learning something new and having zero mastery of it, but feeling like, oh my gosh, I went from thinking I could not even stand up to making it down this little bunny slope. And bear in mind, the bunny slope was like three adults, maybe, and like, I don't know, 73 children, like small children. (laughs) It was rather hilarious, rather embarrassing, if I'm being honest. But it felt really good. And I remember getting done with that day and talking to my husband and saying, like, it just felt so fun to learn something new with my body, like to learn to do how how to do something new and physical, and to actually like hit a couple milestones to be like, okay, I made it down the bunny hill, and I didn't fall. I was able to do my pizza and french fries, like these different things made a really, really big difference in terms of my a sense of identity around learning something new and that that can feel really fun and exciting. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking It. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're, Amy, more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, Mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. So why don't we try things? Why aren't we good at trying things that we're not great at? I think, and this is like me speaking from my own experience, but I also did a little internet research on this, and it really does boil down to two things, I think. So I knew for me, it stemmed from perfectionism. Like, I only want to do things I'm really good at, and then everyone's going to see that I'm really good at everything. Also, I can confirm to myself that I'm really good at things, and then the whole world will be right. 
The reality is, is that like living in that place of perfectionism, especially in my first 20 years of life, it held me back from doing so many things that my world was really small. And my world was really like, I do school. That's all I do because I'm like going to be good at school. And I literally remember having this attitude that was like, I don't do extracurriculars because I want to get good grades. And like, that's not the secret to a well-rounded life. (laughs) And while getting good grades did get me some great things in life and a lot of scholarship money to Gonzaga, like I could have benefited from trying some other things. (laughs) And so for me, I definitely know a huge reason I didn't try new things and didn't want to try things I wasn't good at was because of my perfectionism. It feels good to be good at things and it can feel really uncomfortable to not be good at things. It can feel scary. It can feel very overwhelming. It can be very anxiety invoking. So that perfectionism is definitely a huge piece. And then the other piece is fear of failure and fear of, oh my gosh, what does it mean about me if I don't do this well, or I can't do this well? Or what if other people see me looking foolish or see me looking like I'm not great at something? And I think it's a combination of those things between fear of failure, fear of looking foolish and perfectionism that really hold us back from trying things, from speaking up, from stepping into new roles, from putting ourselves out there as being qualified and capable to do something. It makes like it holds us back in so many ways. And I want to invite you to to see if that is part of you to see if that's something that keeps you in your own way, where you want to only do things that you're great at. And so you hold yourself back from trying other things to the point that it really limits the opportunities that you have in your life, whether it's career opportunities or just opportunities for like joy and discovery. Because I think that that's a big piece too. Trying new things is not just about excelling and achieving. It should also be about joy and discovery. That piece is really, really important. So let's talk about what you gain when you get great at doing things that you're not great at. Because I think that we think, well, I'm just going to look foolish and ridiculous and it's going to be stressful because I don't know how to do it. And then I have to spend time learning it and who has the extra time and I might look like an idiot. But the thing is, we have so much to gain. So first of all, you gain a new skill, like if regardless of your level of mastery, even if I just got like a little bit better at playing pool, that's a new skill, right? You also gain patience. You gain patience for being uncomfortable, patience for developing and cultivating something new and different, patience for just sitting in something for a minute and not having to just like immediately get that immediate success. You gain the realization that it's not the worst thing in the world to be bad at something or in the early stages of learning. And I think that's so valuable. If you're a perfectionist, we think like it's the worst thing in the world to not be really good at something that we're doing. And the reality is it's like, it's not that big of a deal. (laughs) It's really not that big of a deal. And also other people don't care. (laughs) And so I actually think it brings levity to failure which I think is really valuable. We think failure is like this really big, heavy thing that can like destroy our lives. And when we can bring some levity to it to be like, yeah, it's not the worst thing in the world to suck at something or to admit like, yeah, I'm learning this right now, then it brings levity to the to like falling flat on our face. And I think there's so much value in that because we really like get over our own ego in that realization. We also gain our ability to not take ourselves so seriously. When we can take ourselves less seriously, and be like, I'm just going to go try this thing. And it's not the end of the world if it doesn't work out. 
oh my goodness, the level of permission we give ourselves to try new and different things is so huge. When I gave myself permission to start the podcast and just try it out, I wasn't taking myself too seriously. And this was such a departure from other things that I had done because it really gave me the space to just like, I'm just going to try this and see what happens. And that wasn't something that I was used to doing, but it really felt right in that moment. And I learned so much about myself. And obviously, like, here we are, 688 episodes later, almost 5 million downloads later, like it's worked out. And I wasn't taking myself too seriously. And that allowed this like, ultimately really massive level of success and achievement on the back end, which was never the goal. And it would have been fine if it didn't turn out that way. It would have been fine if I did 12 podcast episodes and was like, yep, that wasn't for me. (laughs) That also would have been totally fine. We also gain awareness around how to live in the moment which is really significant, like how to be in a moment and be like, oh, this is hard or uncomfortable or new or different and really being in that. And then also how to remove our worth and our value from our competency. So sometimes we think that like, if we're not good, it's going to mean that we're bad people. If other people think we're not great, it's going to make them think we're bad people. And that's so not true. And we really, when we try new things repeatedly, we often are able to start disconnecting our worth and our value from our achievements and our success or our failures. And that's huge. I was just talking to someone last week about like being objective about failure. And we were talking about some professional things. And I was like, yeah, I've really learned to like, if something totally flops for me professionally, be like, well, that didn't go the way I thought it was, or that the way I thought it was going to go. And that is no indication of my ability to achieve of my value as a person as my like worth in the world none of it they're not connected <laughs> and it's taken me a really long time to get to that point and then the other thing that we gain is the joy of growth that feeling and like no matter how big or small the growth is whether it's like getting down that bunny hill or like completing a puzzle for example i mean like completing puzzles is something that has been something so fun for me in the last few years for sure that or maybe completing a painting or an art project or a piece of writing or like doing an improv class whatever you do and whatever the uh, measure of growth is whether it's tiny or huge the feeling on the back end of i did it is so massive it feels so good and i talked a bit about this in one of my social media posts when I was training for my triathlon that like every workout I did, and some of those workouts were literally like, I'm going to practice going for a run for 10 minutes because I hadn't run in a long time. And when I did my 10 minute run, I was like, oh my gosh, I did it. And then I did a 10 minute swim. And I was like, oh my gosh, I did it. That feeling on those little things in some cases was just as exciting as the feeling of crossing the actual finish line at the actual triathlon, which was obviously a much grander scale of growth and achievement. That feeling of I did it is so huge and makes it means so much to us. And it allows us to reframe our mindset around trying new things. So what if you could reframe your mindset around trying new things and shift it into I like to try new things. I value the learning, growth, and joy that comes from new experiences. I'm going to say that again. If you want to pause and write it down, put it on a sticky. This is like a sticky moment for sure, a post-it note moment. I like to try new things. I value the learning, growth, and joy that comes from new experiences. The learning, growth, and joy, that's what you have to gain. And it feels really good. That is more valuable than getting an A plus on the one or two things that you already know you're good at. It's the learning, growth, and joy from the thing you didn't know you could do 
that changes everything. So I hope this episode was helpful. Please share it out, take a picture, screenshot it, tag me at Shameless Mom Academy on Instagram. Thank you for being here. Make sure you come back Wednesday. Oh my goodness, Wednesday's interview is with Amy Lang. We are talking about sex talk with tweens. You do not want to miss it. It is so good. Amy's a repeat guest and I cannot wait to have her back on the show. So thanks for being here and I'll see you on Wednesday. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us 